Welcome to Untold Physio Stories Podcast, your perfect commute resource with physio failures, successes, interesting cases, and more from the physio and rehab world with your host, Drs. Andrew Rothschild and Urson Religioso. Topical analgesics help patients alleviate pain and reduce discomfort. I recommend and use Helix Professional Pain Relief Creams with my patients. Helix has three new creams they've added to their line of topical analgesics. Joining their pain relieving cream is Triactive Therapy Cream, CBD Therapy, and CBD Clinical Creams. My patients have been raving about these creams, and that's why I'm offering you an opportunity to try these in your practice. Email my exclusive promo code MMT2 to helix at helix4, the number 4, pain.com to receive samples of these new professional pain relief creams and find a medical supply distributor near you. You'll get a starter kit with several samples, patient information brochures, and it's a great way to help patients and grow your practice. Welcome back to Untold Physio Stories Podcast. I'm one of your host, Dr. E, with Edge Mobility System, Modern Manual Therapy, and our four-month online mentoring program, Modern Rehab Mastery. And I'm back with my co-host, Dr. Andrew Rothschild with uh, Modern Patient Education. How's it going, Andrew? Good, Erson. How are you doing? Great. We had another historic snowstorm. I'm sure you guys may have heard or saw the, on the news, you know, eight years ago. If you got, and if you guys have seen my online lecture where I show a picture of, you know, me measuring like the six feet of snow. Eight years ago, we called November. I told my kids, well, you're never going to see another snowstorm like this. Then eight years to the day, this November, we got another, we got um, seven feet of snow. And I said, you're never going to see another snowstorm like this again. And on Christmas Day, leading up to Christmas, I was like, I think it's going to be a brown Christmas. You know, dogs are muddy. My wife's hating the dogs. It's everything was mud. And then uh, they were like, yeah, historic snowstorm coming up. We got another five feet. There was like crazy 70 mile an hour wind. Lake Erie, there were 17 foot waves. All the houses on the on the beach had to be evacuated. Like the waves basically blew up on them and freeze them. My uh, my heater vents got covered, of course. You know, these things are like, for some reason in Buffalo, they're like a foot off the ground. They got buried under six feet of snow. I had to go out when I woke up at one in the morning on Christmas oh Eve. God. The heat's off, you know, because it has to shut off when the vents get covered. Then uh, the vents are, are buried under six feet of snow. Um, and then uh, that didn't even work. Now I need a new furnace. The next day they were buried underneath 10 feet of snow. So that was even worse. So when are you moving down to Virginia? You don't have to deal <laughs> with this nonsense. I know, I know. Uh, you know, if we if we didn't, weren't in between Pittsburgh and Toronto, like our two families, we would certainly be looking at warmer places. Uh, but anyway, this isn't even about that. It's not even about Buffalo and, and me. But I, I was well equipped, though, to deal with many hours of shoveling, as you've heard from recent podcasts. Oh, yes. Anyway, Andrew has finally has a story. Oh, I do. So I have an interesting case. A uh, gentleman I've, only, I've been seeing for a couple weeks. He came post um, originally. He had a left-sided uh, cervical fusion. See, like C four through six, and he had been had dealing with like some left-sided shoulder pain. He got like injections in the shoulder. He had gotten a. Um, an arthroscopic surgery done, but then he was still having some issues. They thought it was his neck. So he ended up having this left-sided uh, cervical fusion. He said like after like the first week, 
he was sleeping a week or two, I guess, really, since post-surgical, sleeping on his right side at night, woke up that morning and couldn't, like, barely lift his right arm. And he got, he went, you know, went back to the surgeon, thought it was, you know, diagnosed as sort of like a C5, um, like a C5 syndrome, like, but it was on the opposite side of his surgery. It said, you know, it happens sometimes. And I've seen cases in the past where someone's had a radiculopathy, they've had surgery. And within the first week, like of recovery, there's some neuro neurological change, whether it's like some loss of sensation, a little bit of weakness, uh, just from the healing process, maybe some swelling post-surgical, and that usually will get better over time. Um, again, this was on, this is on the opposite side. So this is on his right arm and he, it looks almost like he has a full thickness rotator cuff tear. Like he can't, when he tries to lift his right arm, flex it or abduct it, he gets that nice big, uh, shoulder shrug, scapular elevation. He has a little bit of atrophy sort of in the infraspinatus area. Um, you know, so I started doing testing and he can elevate his shoulders. So he has like, he has C4, my tomal strength. He has nothing in terms of shoulder abduction. He cannot abduct. He cannot externally rotate. He had like zero out of five external rotation, but he has full strong internal rotation. And then he has, he's able to flex the elbow strongly. He can extend, he has a little bit of weakness extending the elbow, but I think it's because he can't really stabilize through the shoulder. So it's not really like C7 loss. He's fine with grip strength. He's fine with C8. He's fine with, you know, finger ABA deduction. Um, and I was like, this doesn't seem like actually a truly like a C5 root issue because you would expect to have loss of elbow flexion, loss of internal rotation because all rotator cuff is C5, 6. Um, but he has some, so it really can't be that. Um, again, no mechanism other than lying on his right side. And yeah, you know, history of shoulder issues, but nothing major. He ended up getting an EMG test and there was some significant loss of suprascapular nerve below the scapular notch and some loss of uh, axillary nerve. And, but everything else was kind of like pretty good. So it's a very, like very specific neural loss and they really don't have, the surgeon doesn't have a good answer we don't know why it happened or how it happened or really what the, what the sort of uh, etiology of this is. I've referred him to a, at, at a VCU, a, he's like a peripheral neurosurgeon, essentially. He deals with like complex, like brachial plexus type issues, hand and, and elbow. So he sees him at some, uh, later this next week, he sees him, I think mid, you know, mid to end of the week. So I'm very curious to see, I don't know if I'll be able to do some extensive testing, but he's going to take his MRI results. He's going to take his EMG results. Um, so I'm really curious to see what, uh, what this surgeon says. And I don't even know if there's anything he can do at this point. You know, it's been so new. It might just be a, a time recovery thing, but any ideas on to like sort of how this would happen if it related to the surgery, just coincidental because of the fact that it's the opposite side. So I've never really seen this, in the, in the same present, in the same respect of it being on the opposite side after having had a cervical surgery. And it's very, it seems to be more of a isolated local brachial plexus type injury that the spine surgeon sort of thought maybe there's some sort of autoimmune response and the, the body was sort of attacked to this area, but 
I don't know. It's I don't know if you've you've seen anything like it, heard anything about like it. You know what what's your uh, what's what is your well, thought? Yes. I mean, I have I have what I feel like is an ignorant question because I kept on every time you said left cervical fusion, I I was assuming at first like, oh, does he mean it was for left sided symptoms? Yes. Because so it's for left sided symptoms. The left side and the right side. Right, right. But they right, do the but, surgery but, on like, the obviously, you know, obviously the the surgery is bilateral, right? Yes. Yes. <laughs> Right. Okay, okay, bilateral. Okay. Right. That, the, the incision is on the left side. It was left-sided symptoms. Oh, the incision is on the left side too. Okay, yeah. Incision left-sided symptoms. Left. I, I understand. Yeah. I actually have never heard of it referred to as a left-sided fusion. Can I just think like what they only fuse one side and the other oh, side's yeah, like yeah. just I'll say free floating. <laughs> symptoms was left-sided. Incisions on the left side. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I get it. Left side involved. Yeah. And the fact that it was a week or two after the surgery, it wasn't like immediate onset. It wasn't like even the yeah. first few days. It was like a week or two. And so it's just very, it's a bizarre the thing, type of. The only thing I could think of is it very much seems like a what I saw a case like this a long time ago. Actually, during one of the first weeks of my original residency, manual therapy residency with my mentor. Um, I was seeing a guy who my mentor was putting on cervical traction. He just thought it was a, like a ridiculous. He was giving him retractions and extensions and sticking him on traction. He he just really loved cervical traction. And I just noticed that this guy, like I basically took over his care because he was kind of like one of those, like had been there a while. So uh, I noticed that every time he came in, no matter what time of the day, this guy just reeked of alcohol, you know? Mm. And I, and I just, I just, ended up um, saying like, do you think this is like a Saturday Night Palsy thing? And um, he's like, oh, you know what? I think you might be right. Um, and it turns out that that's what it was. This guy's like passing out on chairs, like on his right arm. Mm, so uh, I'm yeah. thinking, is it possible that even just for two weeks, sleeping very oddly, like what if he just sleeps with his right arm over his head? Something strange like that, you know? Like something to potentially injure or or like irritate the brachial plexus when it's already kind of like potentially sensitized from having a cervical surgery that's what i'm thinking but i don't know that's it yeah and he was saying he was sleeping on his back most of the time and then literally this was like the morning that this happened it was the first time he had tried sleeping on his right side mm. so yeah, yeah wonder, it, could, it could be one who knows of those what things. position his arm is in yeah yeah, usually, they, usually it's like a prolonged period. Like you literally pass out. Like that's why they call yeah. it Saturday Night Palsy. Because like if you're right. not like if you're not if you're not like hammered, you're gonna move if your right. arm is like <laughs> getting impinged and stuff. But over um, the yeah, it's almost like you get some like crutch. Like you can get that crutch palsy too. But usually it impacts like radial nerve. Um, yeah, on the, yeah, on the underside of that brachial plexus. Yeah, um, it's very it's very specific. But you know, I'm wondering too. Does he even have like a an infection? You know, does he have like a local infection yeah. that, is, that is irritating the right nerve root or something like that? And it, and it seems like it could be a, you know, a traction injury, you know, sub suprascapular nerve, axillary nerve, or sort of, you know, posterior aspect of the shoulder, some sort yeah. of weird traction injury it was already maybe, you know, predisposed because of having had the cervical fusion. You know, yeah. it's, it's, inter it's just in a very interesting presentation. Yeah, I mean, the cervical fusion, I just wouldn't rule out. It seems somehow iatrogenic, but I, I can't say exactly how, right. you know. Yeah. All right. Well, keep us informed, Andrew. And where can yeah. people find you? 
Yep. So people can find me um, on Twitter and Instagram at a Rothschild PT. And of course, uh, our online mentoring course and doing modern patient education. All right. Well, if you guys like this story or any kind of hilarious physio failures or interesting cases, make sure to hit up Andrew or I on social media. And as always, uh, subscribe to Untold Physio Stories. Give it five stars wherever you listen to podcasts. Thanks. Untold Physio Stories is now sponsored by MyPT Insurance. Insurance just got easier. Through continued research, MyPT Insurance has crafted a policy that is economical and provides you with the peace of mind you need. Your extensive education, training, and experience as a PT allows you to assist clients in achieving their personal health goals. By practicing without individual professional liability insurance, you could be placing your career and future finances at risk. Whether you're a student, self-employed, or employed with a company, MyPT Insurance is here to provide affordable insurance coverage while protecting you and your patients. MyPT Insurance's plan also includes mobile coverage, which means it follows you wherever you work in the United States. Employed rates and self-employed rates are available. Visit myptinsurance.com edge to sign up today.